Hi, this is Hal Blaine, and you're listening to the Rock and Roll Archaeology Project. The following podcast contains very explicit language and addresses subjects and themes that are not appropriate for minors. Listener discretion is advised. You can't say that. He said. It doesn't. And you can't. I won't. And it don't. It hasn't. It isn't. It even ain't. And it shouldn't. It couldn't. They told me no, no, no. I told them yes, yes, yes. I said I'd do it all the time. Transgressive. Another way of saying outrageous. Twisted. Jeez, what a sick fuck. Before the talentless coprophage Gigi Allen, before the exquisitely talented non-coprophage Frank Zappa, read his book, Chapter One, Frank was not a coprophage before any of them. There was our boy Catullus, Gaius Valerius Catullus, born 85 B.C., today considered one of the great Latin language poets. Catullus was um, twisted, graphic, dark. Uh, He went there. His poems have alternately been censored and admired since they were uncovered in what is now Verona, Italy, around 1300 CE. One slim volume survived the Dark Ages and was dutifully copied word for nasty word by medieval monks. According to the classic scholars, the invectives of Catullus, usually aimed at public figures of the time, like Cicero or Julius Caesar, contained some of the filthiest expressions ever written in Latin. Catullus 16 is like his version of uh, Prince's Notorious Black Album. In, in that one, good old Catullus coins the term skull-fucking. Irromabo in Latin is I will skull fuck you. <laughs> yes, this is a learning adventure here at Rock and Roll Archaeology. You are welcome. Later on in Catullus 16, it's fuck you, Marcus Aurelius, in your ass and in your mouth. He wrote lots of other stuff, too. Uh, much of it quite beautiful about fate and war, love and sex, living and dying. Catullus wrote with emotional directness, clarity and authenticity. And plenty of humor, too. Game-changing visionary or just a potty-mouth hack? (laughs) That argument has been raging for centuries uh, among a lot of really smart people. We're not going to try to weigh in. We're just taking notes here. Our point, transgressive, outrageous art, is a fine tradition with ancient roots. My ex is my bunty. I bring him when I walk. Me and my ex will leave your head outlined in chalk. My ex is my bunty. He always makes me laugh. Me and my ex cut big and spinal cords in hair. My ex is my bunty. So all that shit about Catullus was a long-winded, dirty way of getting to our topic. The most hated band in America, the Insane Clown Posse. 
and their fans, the Juggalos. That's what we're most interested in today. We're here for the Juggalos. The Juggalos are all right. And in about a minute, after a little housekeeping, we're going to tell you why. podcast is intended to be education and commentary. It will discuss adult themes and may use coarse language. Pantheon Podcasts presents Rock and Roll Archaeology with host Christian Swain. Music. Technology and rock and roll. With the show. Whoop whoop. Hey there, Diggalos and Diggalettes and Digga LGBTQs. Welcome back to RNRA Shorts. This mini me chapter of Rock and Archaeology is exclusive content for our Apple Music subscribers. Well, at first, then we'll put it out to the whole wide world. So, what's up, Apple Music people? Like we said last time, this is in between stuff that we'll put out every few weeks. Yeah, it takes months to research, write, and produce our main show. So we're trying to throw these out here for you in the meantime. It gives us a chance to circle back and catch things we might have missed or just check out the weird and wacky like we're going to do with this one. Music, culture, technology, those are the lanes we're driving. That concludes the housekeeping. So, big ba-boom, let's fucking go! <laughs> this is RNRA Shorts number two. The Juggalos are all right. We kind of wish we could say it, that we dig the music of Insane Clown Posse. We did some listening, got into some, learned more about ICP, and that experience has brought us around somewhat. ICP is what would happen if uh, horror director Wes Craven and schlockmeister John Waters had a couple of foul-mouthed delinquent kids who started a rap group. Well, that's our film nerd take. We'll play a few clips, and you can decide for yourself if you're down with the clown. Anyhow, let's meet these two reprobates. We're talking about Joseph Bruce, Violent J, and Joseph Utzler, Shaggy 2 Dope, the Juggalos-in-Chief. 
Since the late 80s, they've been cranking out album after album of gory, twisted content on their independent label. Jay and Shaggy are friends from the old neighborhood, working-class Detroit. Jay was a gangbanger for a minute. It was trouble with the law that convinced him to look for some other kind of work. They traffic in something called horrorcore rap, the audio equivalent of a splatter film. You know, like one of those awful Saw movies. And that's a little girl I'm trying to lure evil into my world I tell them that I'm curious And I'm only 12 Mom and dad are gone for the day I'm by myself <laughs> Buckets I throw up are next to my computer Hoping that they show up Cause what I'm about to do to them Would make the devil sick I sharpen my blade <laughs> Front to this perm Like I'm only in the 7th grade The doorbell rings I gotta get them inside In my best little girl's voice I'm like Hi, come on in I'm putting on my and when the door shuts, that's when I let him see me. Now, ICP got that DIY ethic for sure. They're workers. They started drawing a crowd right away. They got their grind on and built a regional following, doing house parties and small venues, setting up their own events and making and selling merch. For a decade, Insane Clown Posse plugged away just like that. Small timers at first, then a mid-level indie act. Touring hard and releasing copious amounts of sick jokes and torture porn set to a TR-808 and preserved for posterity on their own label, Psychopathic Records. Over that decade, ICP developed a national fan base. But the center of gravity continues to be the small town and rural Midwest. The beast lives out of the raging storm in the dead of night. The ravenous blood-sick creature searches for its sacrifice. Through the hideous darkness it lurches, driven by death itself. Only the satisfaction of slaughter will cause it to return to the darkness from which it came. So we've talked about anti-rock in the main show, Rock and Archaeology. You start with jealousy and resentment over someone else having a good time, blend in a large portion of paranoia about those damn kids, season it with some race baiting and a healthy dash of that old-time religion. That's the recipe for the toxic cultural stew we call anti-rock. Get it while it's hot. Anti-Rock started with the first hit record. In the late 50s, in the American South, preachers started burning 45s. Hmm. Got bored with burning crosses, maybe? Anyhow, you've probably seen the photos from that era. Zombie-eyed kids throwing records on the bonfire while the congregation works up a hate frenzy. Nothing creepy or ominous about that, right? We've said it before. Yes, it is gloriously stupid, and we fall out laughing about it, but it's not all fun and games. Anti-rock is hateful and dishonest, and it can end up hurting people. A prime example of that coming up shortly, and just stick around. Now, 
We thought about devoting an entire chapter to anti-rock, but just leveling with y'all. We didn't have the patience for it. Couldn't do it. Wading through conspiracy theory, toxic waste, trying to explain why idiots are idiots, why they do what they do. That just didn't seem like a fun way to spend an hour. So instead, we talk about it when it comes up. Um, For example, chapter one and five, blacklisting entertainers in the 50s for allegedly being commies. Chapter 4, the way the law treated Chuck Berry. Chapter 11, over in the UK, the mods and rockers, quote-unquote, riots. Chapter 13, the Beatles' backlash on their final tour of America, and so on. Now, we're going to fast forward to... This century. We'll pick up the discussion after we pause for some more gruesome shit from Insane Clown Posse. One man's insane clown posse is another man's Mozart. And given the subject matter, let's not forget that Herr Mozart had a penchant for jaw-droppingly obscene remarks, second only to the great Latin poet Gaius Valerius Catullus. Hey, hey, our guy Catullus again, yes? That's a quote from the attorney Maxwell Kennerly, taken from a 2013 post on his blog, litigationandtrial.com. The piece is entitled, The First Amendment Right to be a Juggalo, and we recommend it. You can mash on the link in the show notes. When we talked about moral panics and anti-rock in Chapter 11, we said the insidious thing about moral panics, what makes them hard to debunk and push back on, is that sometimes there is a small element of truth to the stereotype. So, in the early 2000s, a few knucklehead ICP fans committed high-profile crimes that got picked up by the news media. In one case, it was pretty fucking heinous, a gruesome multiple murder. In the wake of that tragedy, egged on by politicians and media figures, the FBI designated the Juggalos as a criminal gang. In the fall of 2011, the Salt Lake City office issued a long, detailed memo to that effect. National headquarters then distributed it to all FBI field offices here in the land of the free and home of the brave. We dropped a link in the show notes, and you can check it out for yourself. Now, not for nothing, but maybe some of you remember Richard Ramirez. He was called the Night Stalker, a notorious mass murderer from the early 1980s who terrorized Los Angeles for months before the cops finally nabbed him. Yeah, that scumbag. Well, Ramirez was an ardent fan of ACDC. He would crank them on his car stereo as he cruised the city in search of prey.
So, right away, the FBI designated ACDC fans as a criminal gang, right? They did not. So it's just a stupid inner office memo, right? The FBI overreacted, sure, but it was just a guidance, a suggestion. Here's the thing, though. FBI suggestions carry legal weight. Give you an example. Jay and Shaggy both brought this up when they announced that Insane Clown Posse had joined forces with the Michigan chapter of the American Civil Liberties Union to fight the FBI designation in court. Say a juggalo gets nabbed for selling weed to an undercover cop in the parking lot. That is still a crime in a lot of states, but it's small-time stuff, a misdemeanor or a low-level felony. Most likely, our unlucky juggalo will plead out and get probation. But a lot of states, even liberal states like California, have gang enhancement laws. If you're convicted of a crime, any crime, and are part of a recognized criminal gang, then the judge is required to tack a hefty amount of prison time onto your sentence. So now that low-level bust sends our joint-selling juggalo to prison for up to five years or more. And that's not all. The gang designation means that local cops can harass and surveil folks just for being ICP fans. That tattoo of the running hatchet man means Deputy Barney Five has carte blanche to violate your constitutional rights. A number of juggalos joined the ACLU's lawsuit against the FBI for exactly that reason. We sold 8 million albums. How are you just going to discriminate against 8 million people like that and say they're a gang member when they're all walks of life within them 8 million? If you're looking for them, you're going to find everything. Cops, politicians, everything in that 8 million. You know what I mean? Doctors, counselors. And you're also going to find murderers and, and whatnot. You're everything bad you're everything looking for, too. Possible it's going to be in that 8 million. And, and um, the question is, what are they doing to us is discrimination. And that's the one thing you can be sure insane clown policy is against. Any sort of discrimination. We just right. want to make our point. You our know, our, our point is just to march, you know what I'm saying, as peaceful as we can. That was Jay and Shaggy speaking to the press on what we think was the Juggalos' finest hour, Saturday, September 16th, 2017, when thousands of Juggalos gathered in D.C. for a peaceful but spirited march on the Capitol to protest the FBI designation. Here's a quote from Nathan Raven, author of You Don't Know Me, But You Hate Me, one of our main sources for this podcast. Insane Clown Posse has always been about standing up for the underdog and erasing the boundaries between fans and stars. While hip-hop has often extolled materialism, Insane Clown Posse glorified being poor and reviled and outside the mainstream. Insane Clown Posse is putting legal muscle and money behind its long-standing solidarity and affiliation with the largely poor and ostracized underclass that constitutes its imperiled fan base. Before we close it out here, just a thought. Maybe right now, in 2022, 
The FBI has more urgent threats to public safety that they need to address, more important things to do than hassle jugglos. Uh, uh, just thinking out loud here for a minute. Mad respect from us to the Juggalos for a number of reasons. And here's one more. <laughs> they know. The Juggalos know. The, know they got their share of knuckleheads, sure, but they're not a gang. And they are far too self-aware to be a cult. They're just devoted fans. But they know. They know they're out on the margins. Their taste is bad. They like stuff that's whack and crazy and gruesome. They know and they don't care. They made their peace with being outsiders a long time ago. Hell, being outsiders is kind of the whole point. Long ago, they said, fuck it. We're going to like what we like. We're going to find some other like-minded fools, and we're going to look out for one another. Like a family. And we'll fight back together if we have to. <laughs> like a family. And the music of Insane Clown Posse is how we're going to find each other and come together. Juggalo family mad respect for it. If you don't share that respect, that's fine. That's your prerogative. But please pay attention to what the Juggalos are doing here. Because they are fighting for your rights too. Your right of free association. Your right to privacy. Your right to be presumed innocent until proven guilty. There's a lot of hate and fear going unchecked out there in America right now. It's not a good time to be different. And if you're like us, Eh, not exactly ICP fans, but your tastes do sometimes run towards the weird, the transgressive, the outrageous. Well, then you might be next. The Juggalos are taking a stand for all of us, and uh, we respect the hell out of that. <laughs> Even if Insane Clown Posse is not our musical cup of tea. Just the same, we'll drink some Fago soda instead, because the Juggalos are all right. Can you guess what this place is? Your future, make it a reality. All you have to do is find a me. Rock and Roll Archaeology is written by Richard Evans and Christian Swain. Produced and hosted by Christian Swain. All sound design and incidental music by Jerry Danielson at Busy Signal Studios. Find all of our shows, notes, and links at PantheonPodcast.com. All songs can be found for purchase or streaming wherever you get your great music. Please pick up these amazing tracks. Contact us on social at Pantheon Podcasts on Facebook and Instagram. Tweet us at Pantheon Pods.